welcome to True Crime Cattler's first ever mini episode. I'm dropping in your feed on this unscheduled day to tell you about the unsolved murder of Eric Tamiyasu. This is one of the first cases I came across when I started researching for this podcast. And the more I look at this case, the more questions I have. I would love to be able to tell you about Eric's childhood or his background, or even a little bit about his personality. But unfortunately, there is almost no information available about this case, despite it being featured on Unsolved Mysteries. So we have to start at the week prior to Eric's death in June 2001. Eric's family owned fruit orchards just outside of Hood River, Oregon, which means they had a lot of land. As the main caretaker of the orchard business, Eric decided to build a luxury home on the property. He just recently finished the home and invited his longtime friend, recently turned girlfriend, Diana Anderson, over to see it. At some point that evening, Eric and Diana heard tapping at the door and footsteps outside, but when they opened the door, no one was there. According to one source, when the two went outside to investigate, they found a single shoe print in the mud. Diana later told Unsolved Mysteries she was scared and worried about having to leave later, not knowing if anyone would be out there waiting for her. There are a few things that stand out to me about this incident. First, Eric lived in a remote area outside of Hood River. It's not somewhere you'd just stumble across. Second, he just built his house. So if he wasn't living in the area before, no one would know that he lived there. And again, his house was not in a well-populated place from what I can tell. So who was knocking at his door and how did they find him? It couldn't have been a stranger, right? So a week goes by after this weird, creepy incident, and no one has been able to get a hold of Eric. One friend in particular, Don Dixon, who also happens to be a business partner, decides he's going to perform a wellness check since he has a spare key to Eric's house. When Don enters, through the back door by the way, he immediately smells a foul odor. He calls out for Eric, but there's no answer. Don heads back to Eric's room and finds Eric's dead body lying in bed. He calls the police, but according to one source, that wasn't actually his first call. According to Eric's sister, Ramona, Don actually called her minutes after he found Eric's body. She said Don told her Eric's death didn't look like foul play, and he said there weren't any exit wounds. Um, what do you know that we don't, Don? Don later explained that he said this to Ramona because he truly believed that Eric had committed suicide. Don claims Eric was very depressed prior to his death, but from what I read, Don appears to be the only person who believed this. After receiving the 911 call, Sergeant Jerry Tiffany of the Hood River County Sheriff's Office was the first to arrive on the scene. He was later joined by Sheriff Wampler. When they examined the scene, they saw no signs of trauma or foul play, no signs of a struggle, and nothing had been stolen. They decided Eric died of natural causes. In one of the worst cases of evidentiary misconduct I have seen from my home state of Oregon, Sheriff Wimbler asked Don Dixon to take Eric's bedding and mattress and burn them to, quote, spare the family grief and discomfort, end quote. This makes absolutely no sense to me. And if you believe Don's account, police took absolutely no evidence samples from the bedding and mattress before asking Don to torch it. 
Sheriff Wimpler has openly disagreed with Don's statement, but I never found anything that suggested which one of them was right. Regardless, evidence was almost certainly lost in the torching, and we'll never know if it could have provided the key to solving this case. And, in case you aren't already fired up or put off by the sheriff's office shoddy police work, I have more to tell you. When the coroner performed Eric's autopsy, he found three small caliber bullets in Eric's head. Apparently, this was a shock to Sheriff Wempler and Sergeant Tiffany. They both claimed they found no gun, no shells, and no bullet holes at the scene. Is it possible there were shells in the bedding that was incinerated? Maybe, but again, we'll never know. What's equally concerning is how three bullet wounds were missed. Maybe they were in the back of the head? That's really the only thing I can think of that makes even the tiniest bit of sense. With the new evidence from the autopsy, police had to rethink their theory of the case and start the investigation from scratch. Once the police refocused their investigation, four potential suspects emerged. The first suspect emerged early on due to his questionable police tactics. Sheriff Wempler raised eyebrows after he told Don to burn Eric's bedding, but rumors around Hood River quickly spread as to why he really asked Don to do that. Allegedly, Eric was having an affair with Sheriff Wempler's wife. Obviously, the sheriff said these were nothing but rumors and denied any involvement with Eric's murder. It's not clear if Sheriff Wempler was ever seriously considered by investigators as a real suspect, but Don Dixon still believes Sheriff Wempler may have been involved. The next suspect police looked at was Eric's lifelong friend, Eric Smith. According to Don Dixon, who apparently is the resident expert on Eric Tomiyasu, the Eric's were partners in a side business selling used cars. Don said Eric Smith was stealing from the company, and the two Eric's got into an argument about it a few days before Eric T's murder. Eric S. of course denied that the argument took place or that he owed Eric T any money. Investigators found out the two Eric's invested the same amount of money in the company, about $15,000, and neither of them owed the other any money. The business didn't do so well, and they eventually had to shut it down. This lead went nowhere. The third suspect investigators looked at was none other than Don Dixon himself. After all, he was the one who found the body, and as I mentioned before, he told Eric's sister there were no exit wounds or signs of foul play. He's also the only person who seemed to think Eric S. should be a suspect. Not to mention, he went along with the sheriff's request to burn the bedding and the mattress. But the shadiest thing about Don is that he refused to take a polygraph test when the sheriff's office asked him to. He did eventually take an independent polygraph test, but as you might have guessed, the results were inconclusive. Before I tell you about the last suspect, I do want to note that Eric S. and Sheriff Wimpler both took polygraphs administered by the sheriff's office and both men passed. The fourth and final suspect seems to be the one investigators focused majority of their attention on. This man was Diana Anderson's ex and the father of her child. There wasn't a lot of specific information about this man, but investigators said the mysterious knocking the week prior to Eric's death was exactly the kind of stalking behavior he was capable of. I assume this means he either has a record, or there were people who came forward with stories about him exhibiting stalking behavior in the past. Despite this man being high on police's suspect list, no arrests have been made, and there doesn't appear to be any evidence tying him to Eric's murder. 
The murder of Eric Tamayasu has been unsolved for almost 20 years. His family eventually hired a private investigator to review the case because they felt the sheriff's office wasn't making any movements. And let's be honest, burning the bedding and the mattress was a huge mistake, and the investigation never really recovered from it. So, who do you think killed Eric Tamayasu? As always, I would love to hear your thoughts and opinions on this case. You can comment on our social media posts for this episode, or you can send an email to truecrimecatlawyer at gmail.com. If you are interested in looking at the sources for this episode, you can head over to our website at truecrimecatlawyer.com and check out the blog post for this episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening. You can email case suggestions or comments to truecrimecatlawyer at gmail.com, and you can find us on Twitter at truecrimecatlaw and on Instagram at truecrimecatlawyer. If you're interested in learning more about my co-host, you can check out her Instagram at winstonthecatpdx. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for our next episode. Thank <laughs> you.